everybody, welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today I thought I would be taking you guys all the way back to the 90s with this throwback song. Do you guys remember back in the day, back in the 90s, the early part of the 2000s, when Matchbox 20 were dominating the charts? I certainly do. They were awesome. They had their songs on Well, they had Push, they had 3AM, they had a couple of other ones, Real World. Um, they had some amazing, amazing songs. Rob Thomas is the lead singer of Matchbox 20, and their songs were dominating the charts. Now, there was a song that Rob Thomas did that he collaborated on that became one of the most popular songs of contemporary radio but also one of the most famous songs and most popular songs of all time. If you were alive back in the 90s or early 2000s and you were old enough to remember the song Smooth, that dominated the radio. It would play everywhere. Everywhere you went, this song followed you like a shadow. It's actually incredible how this song came together, but also the album that it came off of is actually an extremely interesting story of how it all came together. Maybe what some of you don't know is Rob Thomas was featured on that song Smooth, but Carlos Santana, one of the most famous guitar players of all time, was the main person on that song, and he obviously did the guitar for it. And that came off of his album called Supernatural. Now, the story of how Smooth came about, how it all started, and then the background of Santana and what he was going through at the time, and how he collaborated with all of these other amazing artists of the time of the 90s to come out with his album Supernatural is really fascinating. So without further ado, let me just jump right into it and let me paint you the picture of how this all came about. So Santana had a record deal with Columbia Records that came to an end in 1991. His two subsequent albums called Milagro in 1992 and Sacred Fire Live in South America came out in 1993. Those two albums failed to attract strong sales and never charted at all on any Billboard Hot 100 or album charts. It didn't really do anything. Carlos Santana felt that the labels that he was a part of at this time were not giving his band any traction and acceleration. They weren't really giving him the proper attention that was needed or he thought was needed to propel his career further into the 90s. Because let me just paint this picture as well. Carlos Santana was extremely popular and had probably his most highest success in the 60s and in the 70s. So coming into the 90s, where the pop chart was different the music atmosphere of the 90s was really, really eclectic and very strange and different. It was like morphing into a new thing. You had boy bands that were coming out. You had some like Latin flavored pop that was coming out as well, like Ricky Martin's Live and La Vida Loca and things like that. Mark Anthony, you had J-Lo, you know, uh, and then hip hop. You had all this like stuff that was coming out in the 90s. And Carlos Santana was like kind of faltering to the wayside. Despite years of critical acclaim, he felt he was out of touch with the younger audience, and he regretted that his own teenage children no longer heard him on commercial radio. So he wanted something to be proud of for not only himself, but like his family. And he wanted to connect more with the younger audience. He had all the older generation in his back pocket that knew him from Woodstock and before that, or even after that. But new audiences, like young kids, they had no idea who Carlos Santana was unless their parents raised them on classic rock, you know? So 
he really wanted to strive to do something different with his career in the 90s. So in October of 1996, Santana met with Island founder Chris Blackwell in New York City, where he asked for his release from his contract with Island Records. Santana ended up telling Chris that he had a masterpiece of an album in him, but he felt that staying with Island Records wasn't the right label for such an album. Chris Blackwell subsequently traveled to Santana's home in California in an attempt to change his mind to plead him to stay, but Santana persisted and he was released from Island without paying compensation for his early termination. So he said, peace out, I'm leaving, bye, and I'm moving on to a new record label, and he kicked Island to the dust. Santana, along with his band manager and attorney, approached several different labels, but they struggled to find a good one that they thought would home Santana properly. And some of these record labels actually considered Santana to be too old, that he was done, that all of the stuff that he ever did or amounted to, he had already achieved in his heyday. And like, what more could Santana do now at this point as an older man in his 50s, you know, to a new generation of young kids? Like, how could he even breach that gap? Well, they would soon probably bite their words because this album, Supernatural, will surpass everything that Santana's actually ever done. In 1995, he was invited to participate in a documentary about Arista founder Clive Davis. And with encouragement from his wife, Santana approached Clive Davis about the possibility of signing with Arista Records. Clive Davis eventually agreed to sign Santana on the condition that Clive have some sort of creative input with this album that Santana was like bigging up. He was like, this is going to be like the best album that I do. Like, it's going to be a masterpiece. So he was really hyping himself up for this. And Clive saw this to be a good opportunity. But he said, listen, you're, you're coming on my record label only if I can help you and have some kind of creative output with this. Santana complied and expressed his own desire to produce more radio friendly songs with strong melodies and lyrics that appeal to a broader audience. Because let me also say this as well, for those of you who aren't extremely familiar with Santana's music, he does more jam live based stuff. He has a band that backs him. He's an amazing guitar player, um, but he has like a whole host of elite musicians and instrumentalists that back him. So he's more of kind of like a quote unquote jam band kind of musician. Um, so for Santana to have a song that has like, you know, a bar chord structure with like pop melodies and structure to it with lyrics and things, that was kind of different. I mean, you have Black Magic Woman and you have Oye Komova, which, you know, are a couple of his most popular songs that have lyrical content. But he wanted to really hone in on the specific niche pop radio friendly contemporary music of the time, which... Most kids of the 90s couldn't relate to Black Magic Woman or Oye Komova. I'm just going to be honest. Do you know what I'm saying? So he wanted to change it and be different. And that's where he kind of struck gold because he now found his niche and he was working within that niche. He eventually convinced Clive Davis that he wasn't stuck in the 60s, that he was adaptable to the times. And I think he would prove himself to be right on that point. Clive Davis wanted Supernatural to surpass the sales of Santana's best-selling album, Abraxas. I hope, I hope I'm saying that right, Abraxas, which came out in 1970, which had sold over 4 million copies in the U.S. So he is putting a whole lot of pressure on Santana 
to make this album surpass 4 million copies. That essentially, this had to be the best album that Santana could ever put out and would ever put out. Clive, on his behest, suggested or wanted half of Supernatural, the album, to be vintage Santana in the style of like their earlier stuff like Oye Como Va. And then he wanted the other half to be collaborations of contemporary influences that Carlos was very much feeling. So he wanted to be half contemporary pop 90s, half vintage stuff for kind of everyone. Because if he had come out with maybe just a straightforward contemporary pop album of the 90s, I think that would leave a lot of his older fans wanting something more, like yearning for that old nostalgic Santana vibe. They could possibly say, oh, Santana sold out, right? But then to have more of like that vintage sounding Santana album, he had already done that so many times that sure, he could get it with his older fans, but newer fans wouldn't appreciate it as much. So to have a mix of both worlds come together was actually the perfect melting pot. And it was the perfect creation for Santana. And this is great. Clive Davis would end up telling Santana, give me half the album and trust that I will find material that is integral to your artistry. The other half of the album will be whatever you want it to be. So he found the task of contacting potential artists to collaborate with Santana actually very exciting because he's like, well, what modern pop artists, singers of this time in the 90s that are big will collaborate with Santana? Santana maintained that Supernatural was never meant to be like a quote unquote star studded album at first, but he said the songs really dictated different singers and different musicians. Smooth is one of these songs that became one of the most popular singles on this album. Another one's Maria Maria. That's another great one that he ended up doing. But Smooth surpasses Maria Maria 100%. You really couldn't escape that song, but also it's, it, it honestly is the really perfect melting pot of, of sounds. You have Rob Thomas, who you wouldn't think would work well with Santana. But it actually works out perfectly. So it draws in a lot of different audiences and a lot of different backgrounds to come together to enjoy this weird amalgamation of sound that Smooth is. I kind of like it. I love the song Smooth. I'm just saying, like, I like how they come together in such a weird hodgepodge of, like, backgrounds. You have Rob Thomas, who does Matchbox 20 (laughs) on Well, and then you have Carlos Santana, who performed at Woodstock in 1969. It's just, like, so weird, but I love it. Smooth was the very last single that Clive Davis and his team delivered to Santana, who at first thought that it sounded too rough. He said, like a painting that needed to be completed. He said that he wasn't sure about the fit or the vibe or even Rob Thomas in general. He wasn't really sold on Rob Thomas yet, and how how it all came about and how Rob Thomas even came onto the project is also very fascinating, which I'm going to get into in a moment. So the concept for Supernatural, the album was influenced in part by the 1997 album Deuces Wild that paired B.B. King with a collection of established artists for the time. While that album Deuces Wild didn't impress reviewers or critics or fans really because, you know, you have B.B. King who's one of the most popular rock and roll blues artists of the time back in the 50s and 60s who paved the way for people like Elvis Presley and things to have a podium to stand on for their music. Um, and then you pair him with like all these modern contemporary artists. It's a, it was a bit of like a weird situation. People didn't really like it, but Santana enjoyed that album. And he thought that he could improve upon that concept of me 
Santana, an older, weathered musician, coming together and bridging the gap with the newer generation of musicians and collaborating. He thought he could do it better than that B.B. King album, and he would actually turn out to be right, as always here. Much of the improvement that they thought that they could do with Supernatural fell into the hands of Pete Ganbarg, who was then an A&R executive at Arista Records. Paul began the months-long process of refining songs and tracking down artists that would be okay with being featured on a Santana album. He at times combed through magazines for pop acts who said that they grew up listening to Santana and said, okay, these pop artists said that they listened to Santana when they were younger, so they probably would like to collaborate with him. At the very end of his process for combing through and finding artists, he hit a wall. He said, I had this kind of dread in the back of my mind that even though we had a great album, we didn't have a first single that would open the doors for us. And then that's where this unknown musician came through. Evan Lamberg, who was an industry friend of Paul, he called out of the blue to ask if he needed songs for the Supernatural album, and Paul said yes. So Evan introduced Paul to this young musician named Ital Schur, and I hope I said that name right too. Ital Schur was developing a salsa track called Room 17 that was kind of based on Santana and a groupie life with Santana, kind of like weird song. Paul loved the concept and the basic component of the song, but he didn't like the lyrics at all. He thought it was too raunchy and, and not accurately representing Santana at all. So after some negotiations, Schur agreed to refine the song. He would say that he got Rob Thomas on to help him. So that's crazy. Rob Thomas, at this point in time, had just wrapped up a tour with Matchbox 20, and he was enjoying his blossoming career. You know, I think their first album that Matchbox 20 did was probably their most popular. I can't remember what the name of it is off the top of my head. I have it on CD format. Um, it's a great album. Um, to be honest, I mean, Matchbox 20 never really left the 90s, early 2000s unfortunately, but at this point in time in music history, Rob Thomas was like the biggest thing or one of the biggest things out there. So he was enjoying having like a blossoming music career and Rob Thomas said, sure, I'll help you with this song. That sounds great. So Sher and Rob went from complete strangers to master collaborators essentially overnight. It actually was crazy how they took this concept that Sure came up with for this Room 17 and they changed it to become smooth. So Rob changed the key of Room 17 and he added a chorus. He reworked the lyrics and dulled down the overt sexual overtones that were <laughs> expressed in this song. The line in the song, My Spanish Harlem Mona Lisa, actually is a direct reference to Rob's girlfriend at the time. So it's it's things like that, the little the little things where he changes certain aspects of that really overtly raunchy song that Room 17 was. He dulled it down, but he still added a bit of like spice to it that was more so acceptable and palatable for the pop radio audience at the time. Rob Thomas would end up saying it was pretty much songwriting 101. At the time, I didn't think there was any significant moment happening there. We were just kind of in Schur's apartment studio chilling out. It all kind of came into this masterful way. And then that's when Clive Davis took what smooth was, which was a little bit rough for the time. It was smooth, but it was a different version of smooth. And so Clive sent this to Santana and Santana, again, like I mentioned earlier, Santana wasn't interested. The only way that Santana would record the song and be on board with this song was if Rob Thomas did it with Santana live. 
he wouldn't do it in like a pre-recorded kind of structured way. He wanted it to be live because again, Santana is used to doing jams and doing live stuff. He doesn't always like the structure of setting up a, a recording that would limit the free-flowing potential for like a jam. So Rob Thomas, on the other hand, is very different from that. It's like the antithesis of Santana, where Rob Thomas is perfectly capable of going into a recording booth, laying down a track, and then that's it. No live band stuff at all. But what's actually interesting about Rob Thomas that I like about him, he actually is a great performer and a great live singer and a great live musician. So he actually did it really well. Santana said of Rob Thomas, I believed him a little bit, but I didn't believe completely. Something happens when brother Rob Thomas sings at the same time with the Santana band and myself in the same room. All of a sudden, two and two becomes seven instead of two and two becomes four. For many of the musicians that were involved in this project, it felt routine, like an easier than average session in service of like a simple song. They were so used to doing off the cuff jam stuff with Santana that to do a structured, simple pop melody like this felt like it was beneath them. Should I say it like that? So they weren't really on board with doing this song either, but they recorded the song live. They ran through the track a couple of times and they liked what they heard. And so they thought, you know what? Whatever. We'll eventually have to just deal with this and it'll be fine. Why not? Santana ends up saying about his band, we play like there's no tomorrow. We play like if you're going to get a heart attack by getting that note, then gosh darn it, get the heart attack, but get the note. So he's really just emphasizing the whole work ethic of him and his band, his backing band, that he lives, breathes, and dies for the music and for the live music aspect of getting the notes and reaching the audience in such a raw way. And then Rob Thomas coming in here with that, again, very modern approach to music it was very it's like oil and water mixing but somehow it works somehow they managed to make it work and it ends up becoming one of the most popular songs of all time everyone agreed that the song sounded like a hit but the executives at arista were still worried about the logistics of selling america on something new from santana they were like well like i mentioned before the old fans that have been with Santana for decades, they're going to feel left out and they're going to feel like Santana sold out. And then, you know, the new people or like the younger generation, they're going to look at this and say, who is this Santana guy performing with Lauren Hill and Rob Thomas and Wyclef Jean? Like, who is this guy? Like, you know, so they, they were very confused on how to market this album to people. They didn't know what to do with it. So... When they distributed the single Smooth, they left off Santana's name, marking it simply as Smooth and Mystery Artist. So you literally play the song Smooth and you hear Rob Thomas, like, oh, it's Rob Thomas. But you don't know that it's Santana on the guitar. And that's a really interesting key point to this whole thing that adds to this fascinating story, is that then when people started to hear the song played on the radio... Then they understood like, oh, that's actually Santana. That's crazy. And then obviously the music video that accompanied Smooth as well, you see Rob Thomas and then you see Santana. So it's it's hard to then cover up the fact that Santana is the one that's playing the guitar and this is his album and this is his song with Rob Thomas. But it's just really funny how it all comes together like that in the end. The song was released as a single on June 29th, 1999. It was certified gold by September 13th, and it went platinum 
by November 9th. It was the first number one song of Santana's career, by the way, and it stayed at the top of Billboard's Hot 100 for 12 consecutive weeks. Then it topped the charts in 10 other countries. So it's doing so many things correctly. At the 2000 Grammy Awards, it won Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals. Santana himself won Album of the Year for Supernatural, Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals, Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals for the song Maria Maria. And then he also won Best Pop Instrumental Performance for the song El Farol. He won nine Grammys in total in the year 2000 for this album and for that song. So clearly something worked. Even though it was oil and water initially, Santana wasn't even sure himself if this was a good idea, if it was going to work out, if Rob Thomas was the guy for the job. It ended up working out perfectly. No one else can actually do that song. I can't picture anyone else but Rob Thomas doing that song. Rob Thomas, I think, gives that song a bit of relatability and how he sings the song very casually. He's very relatable and, and down to earth in how he sings, and it pulls at your heartstrings in such an interesting way. But also, there is a bit of swagger in his voice when he does deliver certain lines. He has the ability to go really like seductive in how he approaches, but then also bring it up with that rock grit that he's used to doing with Matchbox 20. It's surprisingly the perfect blend of Santana, which is the old, and Rob Thomas with the new. So it just goes to show that you need to listen to your gut when it comes to certain things like this. Santana knew that this album would be a hit. No one was actually coming on to help Santana get, you know, on a new record label. People were really not sure if Santana could pull this off, but Santana ends up pulling it off. Santana says this, Here's the key to miracles and blessings. Do you have the willingness to allow the spirit to come in? And do you have the discipline to get out of the way? Which I think is extremely profound. Rob Thomas ends up saying this, Even today, in all honesty, I'm okay if I never hear that song. When I say that, I love playing it and I love performing it and I would play it every night. And I have a great joy every time I do that, but I'm okay <laughs> if I don't hear it again. Basically, what he's saying is he has heard it a million and one times over and over and over again. It's still one of the most popular songs today. And I think that's just what he means. It's kind of like when Radiohead gets bored of hearing their song Creep or the Beatles maybe hearing their song Let It Be or Hey Jude over and over again. It's kind of maybe one of those. But Rob Thomas ended up really loving this song a lot. He loved Santana. He loved working with Santana. Um, he had some funny stories of like when the song came out that he would be like walking down the street. He'd be seeing a group of girls in like a convertible or something with the top down, like playing smooth. And he'd be like, oh, wow, this is actually like attracting a, a new audience. That's cool. And like all those things like that. He actually really loved the song and he grew to really appreciate the song for what it was. It's an interesting dynamic that Rob Thomas brings with Santana for this song. Santana brings the the smooth, effortless, amazing guitar talent to the album. And it's just falling on then the talent of the artist that's singing and collaborating with him. But you know what? I love that song. I love that song smooth. I think for a time I was maybe annoyed by it because literally you could not escape this song at all. It was playing on every radio station every day for weeks Everywhere you went, you went to the grocery store, you went to the mall, you went shopping, you went to your friend's house, you went to, literally everywhere. 
on the boom boxes outside in your neighborhood, literally everywhere you would hear the song. On the TV, MTV, again, they play the music video for it. It was absolutely everywhere. You couldn't escape this song. So I could honestly understand why, in some aspect, Rob Thomas was a little bit, like, bored with it to an extent, but he loves it. He actually genuinely does love the song, and Santana loves it too. So listen, it ends up being one of Santana's only number one hit singles from his entire career. So you figure you have to do something right there. 20 years after the release of Smooth, it's America's second most popular song of all time, right behind Chubby Checker's The Twist and right above Bobby Darin's Mac the Knife, according to the Billboard chart. So I think that's extremely impressive, literally in between two legends, Chubby Checker and Bobby Darin. So, I mean, you know, you have to do something right when you literally have the second most popular song of all time in America. It's just crazy. So I just thought the story of how Smooth came together was so fascinating for a story for a podcast that I had to tell it. So that in a nutshell is the story of how Carlos Santana, guitar legend, collaborated with Rob Thomas, Matchbox 20 singer of the time, and created one of the most popular songs of all time. The biggest earworm as well, because once you hear it, you can't not sing it and then it gets stuck in your head forever. So thank you, Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas for that amazing song. I hope you guys enjoyed and that you learned something today that you hadn't known about before. I will see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.